Crude oil is crude. Natural gas is pure. That's why Pennzoil's base oil is made from natural gas, not crude. It gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Pennzoil. Based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. Opening tip, Stephen Adams successfully completing the water bottle challenge, which is, you know, from 2016. And then he celebrates with the dab, which is from 2015. And I, I just don't know if Adams understands it's the year 2020. Things take a while to get to Zealand, maybe. I'm not <laughs> telling him. You can tell him. I'm not telling him. It's not even really you want to do. You're supposed to do it, like, onto a surface. Whatever you want to do, Stephen's fine with me. Well, that, that's the water bottle challenge, right, is that you're supposed to have it land. But, like, on something that's above, not, like, below. We've already spent too much time. <laughs> it, it was a challenge four years ago. Stephen, you do you. Welcome to The Jump. I'm Rachel Nichols alongside the host of the Hoop Collective podcast, Mr. Brian Winhorst, and Clinton Yates from The Undefeated. Thank Soon you. to be L.A. resident Clinton Yates. <laughs> so happy. Coming up, should we start to doubt the Pelicans' playoff chances after their loss to the Timberwolves last night? We will discuss that. First, though, here's a sentence I never thought I would say. Tim Duncan has the winningest record of any head coach in the NBA today. Uh, okay, it's a very, very small sample size, but Tim is indeed batting a thousand, a perfect one and zero after coaching the Spurs to a victory after he stepped in for Greg Popovich last night. This is notable because there has been increasing speculation that Pop, who missed last night's game for personal reasons, may finally decide to retire in the next year or two. Could Tim Duncan, one of the most reluctant superstars the NBA has ever seen, actually replace him? Can you see him talking to the press daily, yelling at officials, delivering fiery speeches in the locker room? This is a man who shows such little outward emotion that when he played ball at Wake Forest, the Duke student section used to trash talk him by calling him Spock. If you had told me that after Duncan retired, the only public place we ever saw him again would be his Hall of Fame ceremony, I would have believed you. Instead, Duncan has remained visible. First, he was, you know, helping out around the Spurs practices. Then this season, he officially became an assistant coach. And Pop has pushed him right to the front of the group. Becky Hammond is in her sixth season as a Spurs assistant. Will Hardy is in his fourth. Yet it was the newbie Duncan who Pop handed his clipboard to back in November when he was ejected from a game. And it was Duncan again who got the call yesterday in Charlotte, coaching against one of his old coaches, James Borrego, on the second night of a back-to-back. Duncan said he only found out he was doing the job in the morning. But he looked calm and comfortable the whole night, even after the Spurs fell down by as many as 17. Now, with just over nine minutes left in the game, Duncan even had the confidence to make a coach's challenge. He he didn't win it, but by then, the Spurs had battled back enough. They actually had a lead in the game's final minutes, and they were able to withstand Charlotte making one last run. So this all started with this nice bucket from Terry Rozier. This made it a one-point game with just 42 seconds on the clock. But first, DeMar DeRozan... No. And then Cody Martin. No, no, no. You got to catch that pass. They botched plays around the basket. So boom, Spurs win. Afterward, Duncan did what Tim Duncan always does. He gave everyone else credit. It's night and day uh, to be in, in, the, uh, in the big boy chair. But uh, uh, truth be told, I, I wasn't in the big boy chair. We've got uh, uh, Becky and Will and, and Mitch. Uh, Mitch prepped the game for us, uh, uh, Becky and, and we were making all the calls, and I was the only one just standing there uh, screaming at people, uh, uh, nonsensical stuff. Uh, so uh, we did it uh, coach by committee, 
um, and uh, it could have been on a, it could have been any one of us up there, and we'd have, we'd have done exactly the same stuff. If you think it's weird seeing Tim Duncan chatting away like that in the year 2020, well, you're not the only one. Here's a tweet from his longtime girlfriend showing their daughter just gazing up at daddy, really sweet, on the TV screen. But his girlfriend writes, we were all shocked he did media. We all are, even the toddler. And she's right. That part of last night is not something we would ever expect. The win, on the other hand, gritty, come from behind, well, that's just what Tim Duncan does. Five-time champ, soon-to-be Hall of Famer, and now the winningest coach in the NBA this season. May his record stay forever perfect. (laughs) Brian, do you see Tim Duncan? Could he be? Is this possible that he could be the ultimate successor to Greg Popovich in San Antonio? Is it it even remotely possible? I would be very surprised if that was the case. I was stunned that Tim came and took this job as a on-the-bench assistant. I could definitely see him working with them for a long time. Um, this is just kind of out of character for him. Not that he couldn't do the job. It just has so many requirements that don't fit into his comfort zone from a guy who doesn't need anything to prove. Um, it is a younger coaching staff than Pop has had. I mean, Pop... That's because all of his assistants have gone on to be head coaches that's of right. other teams. That's right. <laughs> so, um, you know, there's been a lot of people who thought that Pop was going to move aside, who sat on that bench, who moved on. Yes. And... You know, when they when the job comes open, I think they will have a long list of people to choose from. I'm not saying Tim won't be on that list. I would just be stunned if he was near the top. One of the things that was interesting when he spoke to the media, as we were also shocked by, was afterwards. One guy asked him sort of a longer range question. He said, "What are you here for? To talk about the game or something else?" He said, "I'm doing this for fun." He made it clear that this was a bit of a one-off. But I got to say, I was a bit surprised that Becky Hammond didn't get this shot. I thought it was something that, considering how we've seen the tracking going from where she's been, what's been said, how everybody has lauded the Spurs for putting her in this position, and the work she's done to be there that she deserves, that she didn't do it. And I'm not saying I was disappointed, but it seemed odd that Duncan was, for somebody who was admittedly just there as kind of a figurehead, even though we know who he is, that she didn't get the position to do that. And, you know, we'll see what happens going down the line, depending on what Pop decides. But overall, I think it was a fun night, and everybody from the Spurs can look at it as a fun little experience. I think it's interesting, too, because, look, as I said, she's been there for six seasons. She coached the Spurs Summer League team, and they won Summer League, right? So she has a little bit of a track record with that. But we also know that Pop, his vision and sort of his acceptance of people, he's the one who put her in this position in the first place. Certainly. So I I don't have any reason to doubt him about why he's – doing or not doing with her. Maybe he just decided for some reason that Tim Duncan brings the credentials of being a five-time NBA champion, and no matter whether you've worked for six years or coached the Summer League team, uh, having him they, in the front means They made something. an organizational decision that Tim Duncan was going to be the coach when Pop was not the coach. Yes. When Pop was ejected from that game, That's right. a lot yeah. of people said, well, was this Becky coaching the team? And after the game, they said, Tim Duncan was in charge. They made it clear that that's the organizational decision. But not in an Al Haig way. Just, you know, just <laughs> I don't know Al Haig. <laughs> uh, so young. So, so very young. All right, let's focus on the race for eighth out west because, yeah, the Spurs are involved here. And it is a good one. The Pelicans lost to the Wolves last night, 139 to 134. That loss dropped them to four games behind the Grizzlies for the final playoff spot into 12th in the west. Again... This is a five-team gambit, five-team race for the eighth spot. Alvin Gentry said after the game, quote, hopefully this is a game that we understand and we learn from because we cannot afford to be locked in. We're in a situation where we're trying to win basketball games, stay relevant. Here are those standings. Clinton, are you starting to doubt the Pelicans' playoff chances? It's not that I'm starting to doubt them from a talent standpoint. They've looked great. They've been, they've been what, seven straight sub-500 teams before this. They dropped this one. 
But the numbers race is tough. You mentioned there's five teams in that. How they're going to – they can't drop any more like this is basically what it comes down to. And I feel bad because you look at this Pelican squad overall and you think, man, if you watched this squad with Zion the whole season, would they even be close to any of this? Probably not. But I think Gentry's right. You can't afford many more losses like this. Now, to be fair, the Wolves are retooled and you know, maybe that you know, wasn't what they expected in terms of what they saw when they came out on the court. But I'm not doubting their chances in terms of what they can do. I'm doubting their chances to even get the chance because of the numbers ahead of them on the stand. This was a really, really bad loss. Right. I mean, you know, we're in the first week of March. Let's not overplay it, but... Yes, they have the easiest schedule amongst all these teams coming in. Not anymore. They did. See, that's the but, thing. But they have, but you can't, they're so young that I don't know if you can count on them to do it, even though they've played well against teams under 500. I don't know if you can count on them. And to see them in 12th, even though I know it's only by a game, that's a, it's a big ass. The one thing they have going for them, I think they have seven games left with those teams that are mm-hmm. in front of them. So they do, to a certain extent, control their own destiny, but just because they control it doesn't mean that they're going to make it happen. So, I still am hoping that it comes down to the Pelicans and Grizzlies. I want to see the two South Carolina guys, Zion and Zion, fight for it. But Dave Lillard is coming back tonight. Yep. The Kings have been one of the hottest teams in the league since the All-Star break. I'm not going to just disregard those teams that are playing in front of them. No, I mean, look, when we came out of the All-Star break, the Pelicans were looking at what at that point was the easiest schedule going forward, and the Grizzlies were looking what at that point was the hardest schedule going forward. Well, they played some of those games, and they haven't not only not been able to make up the ground on the Grizzlies, but they have, in fact, fallen down further than they were at the All-Star break, and that's with Jaron Jackson Jr. out, right? Brendan Clark is out. So I just think that it's going to be a continuous They had a really difficult game with the Lakers at home on Sunday. And then tonight they have a back-to-back in Dallas. So a veteran team would look at it and say, chew, you know, bite off the Wolves and right. get rid of them in three quarters. And the fact that they came out so lackadaisical just makes me wonder if their, mature, their maturity is enough for this stre- stretch run. Right. But yes, as you point out, they are playing some of the teams in front of them. And therefore, they have the chance to still do it. And to your point, Clinton, because with Zion all year, they would have been a more dangerous team. And possibly, ta- we're talking about the sixth seed or the fifth seed. Right. That is why the Lakers... Don't want to see them <laughs> exactly. in that eighth spot because it won't feel like a 1-8 matchup. We'll just have to see if they get in. Schedule- Zion, by the way, is scheduled to play in his first back-to-back. You heard Brian mention they play Dallas tonight. That means Zion versus Luka. Any concern, though, with the first back-to-back, Brian? You know, obviously this is their most important piece in the entire franchise. Um, it's a billion-dollar franchise. He may be worth $500 million of that. <laughs> Um, so they would not... So they're paying him that much, right? No, I don't think that works that way. It'll uh, be the next negotiation. Hmm. I just don't think they would ever risk it yeah. if they felt that there was any concern. They have watched him play long enough. You know, you can turn an ankle at any time. I, I, they obviously feel like his knee is, is handling the pounding. They have, they have worked up his, his minutes load, so... I'm sure it'll be fine, and I know that they've put a lot of thought into it. I trust them, but at the same time, think about everything they sold at the beginning of the season. You held them out, you held them out, you held them out, and now you got a chance to play them in games that are meaningful. It's a difficult situation because you don't want to put yourself in a scenario where you look like you held back when you built all this work in order to get him to that point. So I have concerns. I think they're manageable concerns, however, but... Ah, this is a huge game for them. On top of that, in these standings, this is a very difficult decision for the Pelicans overall. Obviously, you play them. You need to play. You need to get to the playoffs. But uh, you know, I'm not saying you go back to a minutes restriction. But if anything looks like it's a problem, I don't think you can take that risk because down the line, you just can't say that being getting in this year is going to be worth whatever you sacrificed. Yes, and and I don't think that they will. David Griffin has made it no. so clear what his priorities are. 
Zion, though, wants to play. There's no doubt about that. Coming up, should Marcus Smart expect to be punished after this exchange with the officials after the Celtics lost to the Nets? This is going to get a little interesting. You want to stay tuned for that. First, though, it's time for our distant replay. It's this date, 2008. Rudy Gay, the star of this one. Take a look. Pass, but what you have to do is, is disregard Noah on the step out. Oh, oh Rudy Gay got the show step against Noah Jay wanted that smoke. Jack it through. <laughs> Grizzlies. Akeem more exciting by the bye. First quarter. Love it. The Jump is brought to you by Heineken Zero Zero. Now you can. It's a make or miss league. Uh, yeah. Make, miss. Oh. <laughs> it's a make or miss league. Indeed. Make courage. Look at this. Taking a charge on Zion is not for the faint of heart. How much would we have to pay you to take this charge, to be Josh in this situation? One ten day. I'll, t- I'll do it for one ten day. Boy, I want to negotiate with you. Yeah. <laughs> I'd do it. I mean, it's not like I've got to take a punch to the face. It's I know this charge. has been I a mean, miserable season for the Wolves, but Josh Okoji is a bright spot for them, and he's a really good young defender. Well, he almost so. became a flat human, <laughs> a little flat Stanley going on it, it there. Was pretty, it was pretty brave. I, that was a tough charge to take, too. He took a ball to the grill. That was not easy. Right? It's a lot coming That's in. That's a very strong man. Uh, that is all man. So I. Also, what if you get the call? I'd be worried. It's probably not worth the call. Low lights. Brian, should we get used to hearing the phrase Lonzo to Zion moving forward over and over? The Pelicans certainly hope so. Look at that. I love look at Look at him leading the the break though. I've been trying to coin the phrase Iron Lion Zion, but it's not really working between it's the not. three of them. This, what's with this piano music? Is it <laughs> supposed really to rotten. be emotional about this? It's like this? the two of them are paired now. They're going to go off into the sunset. Oh, it's, it's like that Instagram filter where it's Maybe. lovely. It's, it's wonderful. I'm so, I'm so relaxed and it's like terms of endearment. <laughs> like swans. <laughs> you know terms of endearment? You don't know who Al Haig is? No, I still don't. History People lesson. have texted me during the break and story. I still don't know. Really? That's amazing. Make tributes. Shay Gilders has Alexander sporting a hoodie with the iconic photo of Iverson stepping over T. Lou from the 2001 finals. Is this a bigger sign of respect for AI or disrespect for NBA champ player coach Ty Lou? You're just, you're, you can't, you can't participate. I'm disqualified from this conversation. Now this music is beef music. Iverson has said multiple times how much he digs Ty Lue, they're friends, and he feels bad. This has become so cool. Cool. ugly cool. sweatshirt, cool. though. That's the problem. It's not just the moment the way, that this it is not. This is not kind of... Shea doesn't have beef like this. Shea doesn't run his mouth. So this is kind of surprising, but... He knew who was on the Clippers coaching Look staff. At, he knew right. exactly what he was doing. This is this, this is a sneak diss, is what this is. That's what that would qualify. Our greatest living American doing his thing. Miss mid-range. LeBron pulling up from the logo. Near half court. Again, is logo LeBron now a thing, guys? He did this in the All-Star game. We tried to end it. Yes. I mean, is it a thing in the con- in context of what? Like, well, logo Lillard it- became a thing. He did it to end a run against the Pelicans. Like, I-, I mean, are we supposed to believe that he's going to pull up and do this and then blow by somebody and bang on them in the playoffs? Perhaps. But I'm not expecting to see this that often. I'm just going to say that I think NBA teams, regardless of this awesome highlight package here, NBA teams are happy that he would want to take this shot. I would like to package up this video clip and show it to everyone in 2011. And well, that their faces. is a good one. It's amazing that he can actually do this. <laughs> and there we go. All right, make heart. Marcus Smart climbing the ladder. The Black Nets big men, Jared Allen. Jared Allen usually doing the blocking, but there. Woo. 
Look at this. Oh, but what if he had gotten dumped on, Rachel? We would be we'd be we mocking be him. It. We'd be mocking him we would today. Be he's it. supposed to make a business decision and not get dumped on. <laughs> oh my gosh! Rank? How terrible very, is it to challenge a guy at the rim? This ranks very high because the difficulty there is the between the arms dunk. That's the hard part. Is that it's one thing to get a guy and kind of knock him off right. pace. It's another thing to go between the wickets and get that ball off the rim. That's amazing. Brian, your argument holds no water. Either we should never show it in either direction, or we should show it in both directions, which is what we're doing now. I hate it when Rachel says my argument holds no water. <laughs> Correct. The Celtics, though, did have an epic collapse last night versus the Nets, just like Brian's epic collapse during Maker Moon. No, I'm kidding. Uh, we will dig into that in a moment. First, let's check out this play at the end of regulation because you got to see it to understand what Marcus Smart was so upset about. He was called for the foul on Karis LeVert with .2 seconds left. LeVert sends the game to overtime at the foul line. Smart went on to foul out in overtime. He had some aggressive language for the officials when the game was over. Brian, do you expect to see any punishment coming Smart's way? In all seriousness, I do know that this is something you're pretty passionate about. All right, first off, that was a foul on LeVert at the end of the game. And that was a costly foul because it ended up costing him the game. Secondly... Yes, they should be fining him. The fine should already be out. And one of the things that has happened over the last couple of years is players are not getting fined in certain circumstances. Damian Lillard was wronged on a couple of calls. He went crazy on the court. They didn't fine him. Mark Cuban goes on a nine-tweet-long uh, rant uh, last week, and at the NBA says, we'll have to wait until we investigate their, their claims on this game before we decide. This is not how you back up your officials. Now, I'll be the first to tell you, this has not been a banner year for officiating the NBA. It has not been good. Some of the younger officials that they brought in have not been as strong as they wanted to be. But the league is not backing up its officials on a regular basis. They are letting people get away with things. And this is what happens. There's an escalation. So now Marcus Smart feels like he can do this because he's not worried about any consequences. And the more and more you do that, the more and more you open it. I mean, at the end of last season, we had Sean Marks from the Brooklyn Nets Barging into right. the locker room. Yeah. We had the players, locker room, yeah. the officials locker room. We had players throwing balls at officials. You have to defend and have your officials backs. I don't think the league has done a very good job of it over the last two years. And we're going to continue to see escalations. And I expect this to be a difficult playoffs for officiating because it's not been a good year. And if you set the tone that you are not going to have your officials' backs, as I think the NBA has headed down that path this year, you're going to see more of this. And he was absolutely out of line. You do not handle it in that regard. There are other channels which you can handle it with, and that was absolutely unacceptable, and he should be dealt with accordingly. Well, I said yesterday that I don't think that the notion of touching an official should be completely off limits at all time. But the reason I said that is because I believe that the purpose of getting close to an official is to have an audience. Marcus had an audience here and then proceeded to blow up, which was the strangest part about it. The escalation within the moment was, I think, where the decision making went wrong. You're sticking your fingers in people's faces. That gets to a point where I think it's hard to defend overall. See, there, the discussion is being had. It seems to be that there is something going on from a communicative standpoint, and then it gets to that. And that's where, for me, You've got to make it. You've got to make a decision as a league and say we can't have that because if you're already speaking to somebody in a calm manner and things get to the point where you're then gesticulating wildly all over the place, I don't love the internal escalation. Never mind how all the things that Brian mentioned have led up to this point. I mean, look, it's hard. It's an emotional situation, so I think we always yeah. have to keep that in mind. But I do understand the escalation issue, and obviously officials have been troubled by all of this. We get back to the Celtics' loss. Boston led by 17, 17 entering the fourth quarter. They gave up 51 points to the Nets after that point. The most points allowed in the fourth by a Celtics team since 1972. Now keep in mind, Jason Tatum was out. Gordon Hayward and Jalen Brown both left with injuries. 
Here's Brad Stevens after the game. Quite a few injuries there, but uh, just a rundown for Gordon and Jalen. I have no idea who's going to Cleveland. I think most of the coaches are going, a couple players. Um, you know, I, just, I, I just want eight guys, nine guys, whoever's going to play hard, let's go. Like, that was ridiculous. That was ridiculous, but also we only have four guys in a coffee mug making the trip to the next game. Um, are you concerned, Clinton, about uh, the Celtics giving up 51 points in the fourth quarter? Or are you like, hey, they didn't have their guys. What are you going to do? It's I'm more night. concerned after hearing Brad. I mean, it sounds like that is not a great situation. And, look, there are things that led up to it. You mentioned who was out, but guys missing basketball games because they're sick after birthdays like remember what you said two days ago it's six weeks to go it's crunch time i wonder when does crunch time actually apply for some of these teams in the eastern conference and if this is not it or if this is what we're seeing from the celtics when that is actually coming down to it that does concern me it's not just what happened in this game because of the roster situation but overall when do you actually start deciding that guys have to play no matter what and they got to figure it out i'm not gonna freak out too much about this game it was a bizarre one-off situation and again, Marcus Mark doesn't, he's got, they've got him triple teamed. Marcus doesn't foul Levert on that play. They walk away and say, well, that wasn't the greatest fourth quarter. But I think what you have to do if you're Brad Stevens is you have to set the tone that we're yes. not going to let exactly. focus to. Questioning the injury report. Come on. I'm not questioning anything. Here's what the jump recommends for today on ESPN.com and the app. ESPN has ranked the NBA's best 25 players under 25. I'll just give a little spoiler alert. Luka Doncic and Zion Williamson. Both on the list. I know, shocking. Weird. Coming up, we'll discuss which young star would you rather build your franchise around. I am very interested for everyone's answers on this. Stay tuned. So am I. <laughs> I don't have my mind there. <laughs> this is a matchup we've all been waiting for. Luka Magic has made everybody Uda. This guy can do anything he wants to on a basketball court. Continuing to be written. The future's bright, man, for the league. These dudes are so talented. It's gonna be a fun game. Oh yeah, tonight our NBA Wednesday doubleheader tips off in Milwaukee. Giannis and the Bucks hosting the Pacers at 7 Eastern. And then Zion and the Pelicans taking on Luca and the Mavs gonna be good. Welcome back to the jump. I'm Rachel Nichols. I'm joined by Clinton Yates, Brian Winhorn. That was a promo. It was great, I right? liked it. <laughs> Our ESPN Rise unit was responsible for that, and it was fantastic. And the game should be fantastic tonight. So that got us thinking. If you were going to start a franchise, right, build around either Luca or Zion, who would be your pick? Clinton, you're on the spot. Go. To me, it's Luca, and there's not a lot of questions asked. And unfortunately, it's injury-related. I just think that when you're talking about a player like Zion, and there's so many risks, we just got through discussing. Are you going to play this guy in the back end of the back to back? He turned his ankle twice this year and missed time for it. I'm turned his ankle is a completely different thing than major knee operations, in my opinion. There was no such thing as teaching him how to walk again, mm-hmm. which was something we heard earlier in the season. And overall, I think at this stage, Luca is a better player. I just find them to be a little bit more dynamic in terms of the way that he includes teammates, in terms of the scoring ability. Zion can do a lot of things. Luca can do a few more, in my opinion. And I'd like that better. This is so hard. First off, Zion is two years younger than Luca. Yep. So you have to understand, just don't compare them today. Compare where Zion would be in two years and think about how much he's going to learn about it. I have, I am more excited about Zion than pretty much any players coming in the NBA in the last 15 years. 
So it's very difficult for me to pick against him. But considering that Luka is a perimeter player and with the injuries, I, I would probably go with Luka, but I don't like saying that. I, yeah. this I probably is a should just not care and hot take it and say, Zion! <laughs> but I guess I'll have to let my head win out over my heart. But Look, it, it's hard. The truth is there's no, quote, right answer because we just don't know how the we next five the question. That's why. years yeah. are going <laughs> to fall out. I think it's a really good question because it doesn't have an automatic answer. My only concern is not, like, oh, you saying Doncic over Zion. I think that's completely valid if that's the side you're taking. I guess I just hate seeing guys given that injury tag. Because I looked at, say, Anthony Davis, right? Who right. People still say, man, he's injury prone. He had specific injuries early in his career. But if you look at the number of games he's played, for the entire second half of his career, he's not injury prone. But those things stick with guys in a way that I just don't I like mean, it early in We're talking in about career. the unknown. We, we're talking about the unknown on both of these. So you try to limit what you which you can predict, which that's best you can do. Age as much as anything. When I see a full NBA season from Zion, I think mm-hmm. it would be a better predictor of what he's going to be. Able to Zion do. is, by the way, he is only 19, as Brian pointed out. He's the fourth youngest player in the entire NBA. So to do what he is doing at this age is bananas. Yes. What Luca is able to do, also bananas. And when we think about this whole class, right, about these uh, couple years in the draft, we talk about Luca, we talk about Zion, we talk about Jason Tatum, we talk about Trey Young, we talk about the fifth person, yeah. I'm forgetting, John Moran, of course, who's going to be the presumptive rookie of the year. Oh. I mean, it, it's an insane group. And when you look back, we have these clumps, right? The LeBron clump, you've got the Tim Duncan clump. I mean, there's just the clump. clumps the of LeBron guys. Clump is famous. Right? <laughs> The banana clump. Um, so <laughs> there you go. I, I think the NBA is in really good hands. It's oh really, really fun to watch these kids develop. Clump life. I want to move on to the Player of the Month awards for February. I want Clump Life t-shirts. <laughs> in the Western Conference, LeBron James won the award after averaging 26 points, 8 rebounds, and 10 assists per game while leading the Lakers to an 8-2 and two record in the games he played. There was some dispute, though, whether Russell Westbrook should have been considered. Westbrook went beast mode in February, averaging 33 points, seven rebounds, six assists per game while leading the Rockets to a seven and one record in games he played. He also shot 55% from the field. But wait, there's more. Because in the Eastern Conference, Jason Tatum took home the award. He became the fifth Celtic ever. This isn't a pretty fran- in a pretty historic franchise that, you know, is, is okay. He became the fifth Celtic ever to average more than 30 in a month. Havlicek, Bird, Pierce, Isaiah Thomas are the others. But Tatum's main competition in the East was Giannis. Giannis had won seven of the eight previous Player of the Month awards dating back to last season, and he averaged, I don't know, casual 28, 17 boards while going Good God, perfect. look at those Seven. stats. Nine and oh in games See, he played. This is and the by thing. the way, he played like two minutes a game. <laughs> this is he, the thing. he gets these stats, and they're ahead by like 13 or 15, and then he sits this, the rest of the game, is, and it's, it's bonkers. This is the problem with the MVP thing. LeBron's year has been anom- amazing, but Giannis's stats are Absolutely preposterous. All right, let's stay in the okay. conversation. <laughs> Conver- player of the month. 17. Right. So who do you think was snubbed more in his respective conference, Westbrook or Giannis? I'm happy that for the second straight month we were actually talking about controversy with player of the month because Lillard, we yes. all thought, got passed over yes. in January. The regular season matters, um, Brian. I'm going to keep saying uh, <laughs> I give it to Jason Tatum because he hasn't had a chance to win it. And Giannis keeps winning, and I don't think Giannis really cares. There's Tatum one, one less player. That's what we're doing here? We're just uh, handing out awards? Yes, yes, one Clinton, that's what I'm saying. That's I'm not saying. comparing Celtics to other Celtics, Rachel. You see okay. what I'm saying? I'm comparing them to the guys they're playing against. And when you're 9-0, and yes. 
Averaging 17 boards, and you're just well, – Again, I'm sorry. This was clearly like, Giannis's award I think I think the bigger difficulty is with Westbrook versus LeBron. LeBron was LeBron, – the Lakers are playing their best ball yeah. of the year. Yes. But one thing I will say is that the, the, the Rockets and Lakers did play in February, and the Rockets won that game. So I, I, I kind of wonder if that shouldn't have played some role. Although, this is a very opaque – a war. We don't. We are not told who is on the committee. I've been asked choose. who chooses this. So the league office chooses it. By the way, so first people should know. This is right. The office chooses the lunch menu today. I mean, what is the league office? People mean? should know. First of all, Tim Frank's going to be calling your phone during I was the say, next segment. Yeah. I'm not taking the call. That. I'm not um, taking. <laughs> um, people. Some people think that other players, right, pick this award. Some people have asked me if the media picks this award. This award is handed out by the league office, and as you note, we don't know who makes the decision. But maybe we could have them on. And then- I think it's only like the 35th time LeBron's won it, so only. I'm sure it'll be nicely placed in his trophy case. There you go. Do you get a trophy? You do. I or think you get, get a nice little glass trophy. It's a glass little glass trophy. It used oh, like to be. A little, like a little yeah, Like a paperweight? <laughs> Regift it? Speaking of the Lakers, they beat the Sixers last night, and their dynamic duo was in effect once again. LeBron, 14 assists, three of which went to AD. Anthony Davis just beasted out there, 37 points, 13 rebounds, and after the game, LeBron sung the praises of playing with Anthony Davis. Quote, it's everything I expected and more and more, guys. He said, obviously, that's why I wanted him here. When you get a generational talent like that and you get an opportunity to go get him, you just try to do whatever you can. Brian, what do you make of not just how they look on the court, but the off-the-court relationship between these guys? I've never seen LeBron so invested in a in teammate's happiness and success as I have with this season. You don't think he was as invested in Dwayne Wade being successful? No, absolutely not. Um, he has totally changed his approach to the game to make sure Anthony Davis is happy. And I think part of it is he wants the Lakers to be successful. I think part of it is... It's not a guarantee that he's re-signing. I know that it, it was almost assumed, but I think... Just to clarify, you're talking, I, Anthony Davis re-signing. Yes, yes. and I, you know, um, you know, with Chris Bosh and with uh, Kevin Love, mm-hmm. it was a rough go their first years. Now, Love had an, had an opportunity to, 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 to not re-sign, to but both. he did. Yeah, remember but, the famous pool meeting between uh, yeah, well, yes, but, Kevin but Love and, and LeBron? I, 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 LeBron has been very, very, very focused on making AD comfortable and happy. Um, having said all that... Their chemistry in March doesn't matter as much as their chemistry in May. They're going to need Anthony Davis to be great in May for them to get where they want to go. Yeah, but let's think about overall where the Lakers were last March in terms of where they are now. He had to make sure that the AD situation was worked out well because we're finally seeing, if you're a Lakers fan, you're pumped up, Planet LeBron and Laker Nation are in step in a way that they have not been and were not up until this point. It's the best case scenario. I mean, when we all thought that this was going to work, this is what we were looking at. And it's actually finally happened, and I think that you're right. AD re-signing, considering what he walked into with the mess that was that franchise, there was no guarantee. LeBron's making sure that does not go wrong. And it's showing on the court as well as anywhere else, which is what's important. I think it's fascinating how we watch LeBron tweak all the parts of his game that people have criticized, right? So early on, his shooting, his shooting isn't good. We saw that go to the disaster point during a certain NBA Finals against Dallas. Look, we had earlier in the segment, we're ta- in the show, we're talking about logo shooting LeBron. from the logo, right? <laughs> One of the big criticisms about him was how he treated or talked to teammates, right? The text messages the fit in, the fit out, the this, that, and the other. Um, you mentioned Kevin Love and Chris Bosh, right? And then the narrative was people didn't want to play with LeBron. You had Kyrie, right, Kyrie Irving asking for a trade. Kawhi Leonard supposedly didn't want to play with LeBron. Kevin Durant supposedly Paul George didn't want to go play with the for LeBron. Paul George didn't sign with the Lakers. Well, he went out, recruited Anthony Davis, make no mistake about that, right? The Lakers make that trade. He makes Anthony Davis comfortable in 
every way possible. And what he has done, not just for AD, but for the rest of that locker room this year, as we have talked about, has been so pointed. So you can say, hey, oh, he's just doing it because he wants him to resign, which I know wasn't your point, but there's people who have been criticizing for that. But the bottom line is he has continued to evolve in a way where you had a guy who is one of the most dominant players ever who has taken the parts of his game, small parts that people found issue with, and looked and worked on ways to fix it. And he's done that here with Anthony Davis. I'm impressed. And it's worked. Coming up, the Clippers put the clamps on OKC last night. Clumps and clamps in the show. Uh, holding them under 100 points. Do you buy their ability to flip the switch on defense? We will discuss that next on The Jump. Our next NBA ABC Saturday primetime game has the Sixers going against the Warriors. And who do we think is going to be back? Oh, yes, Steph Curry back from that broken left hand. Our coverage tips with the jump. We are your pregame show, 8 o'clock Eastern on ABC. Andrew Wiggins, guys, scored 22 points last night for the Warriors. They earned an impressive win over the Nuggets by 16 points in Denver. After the game, Wiggins couldn't help but look ahead to next season when both Steph and Clay are expected to be at full strength. Take a look. You know, we're all young. We, we, all, we all want to see each other do good. You know, so we're all looking for opportunity, all looking to create for each other. Um, so we just got to keep it going, you know, because next year will be a big year for us. Clinton, Andrew feels like the guy who maybe got separated at birth from his family and then just found out he's got a bunch of big older brothers. <laughs> I always like talking that talk. He's right. like, I got Steph coming. I got Clay coming. I got all sorts of, I got all sorts of cohorts. <laughs> I don't know how good I think this team is going to be. I think it's a playoff team. I don't see them jumping back into elite Western Conference. Look, they lost Kevin Durant. People forget about this. Okay, they don't, You don't think they're going to be elite? They're going to bring back an MVP? We need to talk to you about what they did before they got yes, Kevin Durant. And it was less than they did when they had him. And that's what my point is. And okay. With everybody older and with everybody a little less injured, I'm not saying that they're not a good team. I'm just saying that I don't know how that blend is going to work. Man. I'm going to take the I'm going to take issue with the all of this. That's fine. Take Take issue with it. You think they're winning the NBA championship next year, Mark? No, come on. Don't ask me that. It's ridiculous. (laughs) Um, I don't know if Andrew Wiggins is going to be good with them, but Steve Kerr keeps saying that he sees how it's going to work. Okay. And Steve Kerr's got credibility with me. Yes. So I'll trust Steve Kerr because he keeps talking about how I can see how they're going to play together. I can see where their spots are going to come. I can see how it's going to flow. He's, he reminds us of Harrison Barnes and what, you know, they won a championship with that type of player there. You know, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna give him space to see. I'm, I'm skeptical, but I recognize that they are bringing back two Hall of Famers. They are bringing back two of the greatest shooters of all time. And they still have Draymond Green, who has played well this year in, you know, when he's gone full out. So, um, I think next, there's no reason why they shouldn't be a contender next year. I have to see where the, all the chips land to see what's going on. So we're basically at the same place. The Warriors with Kevin Durant yes. were one of the you said they best be elite. teams Come on, guys. ever yeah. in nearly a century of basketball. They were one of the most hardcore to be reconciled with teams we <laughs> yes. have ever seen in the NBA. Are they going to get back up to that level with Andrew Wiggins? No. Okay. No, they will not. Will they be elite among the NBA teams competing in the league next year? Teams like the Bucks, who have yet to win a title as constructed. Teams like the Lakers, who have yet to win a title as constructed. The Clippers, who have yet to win a title as constructed. The Rockets, who have yet to win a title as constructed. I would say that maybe the team that has Steph, Clay, Draymond, Steve Kirk coaching it. Okay. Decent management, let's just say. Bob Myers knows what he's doing. 
I'd say they could at least possibly Plus be they're going to probably group. get a top three pick. Not that I think that guy's going to come in. and. That's important. That's not, I mean, and they could also either. possibly trade that if they wanted. And they have a they have the Andre Goodala trade exception, which they could also use. So. That, by the way, for people who didn't pick it up with sarcasm, I think Bob Myers <laughs> is fantastic. So that was my point. I, I, I just yeah, I, I, can't, I, I can't. I we'll can't. see. Can't even. The Clippers went into OKC last night and held them under 100 points. Oklahoma City shot just 42% from the field, 32% from three in the loss. This comes right after the Clips allowing the Sixers to score 130 points on Sunday, including the delightful Shake Milton, who we had on the jump after he dropped 39 on them. This is someone who's been up and down from the G League. So, Brian... If this is not a switch-flipping defense, I don't know if I've ever seen one, do you buy that they can continue to do this going forward? I do. I do. I think when they're hitting their absolute top uh, ability, they're the best team in the league. Uh, the problem is there is that uncertainty. You know, in this game, the, the, the Thunder are the best fourth-quarter team in the NBA. And they started to make a run at the end of the third, and this Chris Paul hit a big three. They called timeout, and I go, up oh, here they go. And the Clippers just came in and put a sleeper hold on them. Mm-hmm. And so when they're at their best... I think they're awesome, and uh, I, I, you know, I, I recognize that we have some unknowns about the Clippers, specifically health. We have some unknowns about chemistry. Look at Pat Bev. Pat Bev. Oh, look at boy. that impact. Since Pat, Bev, Pat Beverly has returned, boom. Patrick Beverly, I'm a bit of a stand for. He's my favorite player in the league. There's no question to ask about that. But when they have all their lineup, they don't lose. That's the deal with the Clippers, and that's why I believe. I'm not going to believe that they can flip the switch defensively now. I'm never going to believe it, and it just happened. So I do believe it. And Paul George says he's still a work in progress in his mind. That's amazing to me. That's actually even possible. This team, I agree, is elite, Rachel. The only thing I would say, though, is that that was nicely done, is that they do share an arena with the Lakers. So if the Lakers find that switch... Somewhere in the arena, wherever it is, and flip Turn it, it off. off. It's in a tunnel. Was, yeah, bad, <laughs> bad joke. <laughs> it's been one of those days. Up next, how will the Rex respond tonight against the Pacers after losing to the Heat by 16 points on Monday? First, though, time for our second distant replay of the day. This one from this date in 2009, featuring Mike Taylor. Ooh, pretty game great. making That's a second appearance on distant, but not in the same oh. way. Oh. Headpin versus headpin. Oh, I forgot headpin about wins. Mike Taylor. Distant replay given. Another replay taken away. Long haired Marcus Law. Hi, it's Greeny. Join me tonight hosting SportsCenter at 6 Eastern. New details this evening surrounding the number of teams in the hunt for Tom Brady in free agency. Plus, Zion's bounce-back blueprint in his first NBA back-to-back against Luka tonight. And the potential tournament number one seed facing a trap game tonight. All that and more SportsCenter 6 Eastern right after PTR. Crunch time here on The Jump. This was on the TMT pregame show last night. So apparently Shaq lost a bet to Dwayne Wade. His punishment was growing out his hairline. Shaq says he'll keep it for a week. Um, I, I, I don't even know. What to, Clinton, I'm just going to give it to you. Uh, okay, so here's what I'm going to say. Shaq, you get a lot of credit for this for actually showing us that you made the right move and bringing it home. Because that is not a look we want. So I'm going to call this look brilliant because he's reminding us how smart he is to not be doing that on a regular basis. I can't even articulate my feelings on this. Go ahead. Brian? Oh, I I don't think it looks that bad. What? What? I think it's fine. No, that's not what we want. There are, there are people, there are people in this world, on this station and on this program that know that's how tough fine. it is to deal that's with fine. a receding hairline. In that scenario, Shaq, thank you for reminding us why we don't do that. Damian Lillard, probable tonight versus the Wizards, the return of Dame time. The Blazers have gone two and four in his absence. 
Now they're three and a half games out of the eighth seed right now. So, Brian, I mean, they need Dame back badly on the court. Do you think it is enough to make a difference with only six weeks left in the season? Well, they have gone backwards, obviously. And, you know, now they have no margin for error whatsoever. And they need him to play great. And with groin injuries, you just don't know. So you hope he can pick back up where he left off. But including the All-Star break, he's been off for a while here. I agree. Everybody wants to come back against the Wizards. That's just the reality know, right? of life for that Jeff franchise. wanted to, and he couldn't, and he was upset. Devin Booker got this Kobe Bryant-inspired tattoo on his forearm. It says, Be Legendary, which was a message that Kobe wrote to him when they played against each other back in 2016. Brian, you can give a little more light, right, on their relationship? Yeah, I don't know if there's any current player, any current young player in the league who Kobe respected their work ethic more. They had really a good relationship. It included his relationship with uh, with PG. Um, Booker, really, and maybe not everybody knew, but Booker and LeBron, or uh, Booker and uh, Kobe, very, very close. There's a story you have about Kobe going to maybe work with Booker in the gym, and what did he see Devin doing when he walked in? He was a little bit late getting there, and uh, Booker spent the time playing and talking and working out with Gigi, and he sort of bonded ever to him ever since. That's what's why I was told. Make your dad happy. Talk to the kid. Good point. There you go. The league's best team has hit little adversity for the first time this season. Monday, the Bucks were... Well, this, is, this has been a discussion in the control room. Producer Danny and Producer Steve arguing over whether this was a blowout. A blowout for the Bucks. The Heat able to shut down Giannis, holding him to 13 points in 31 minutes. Bucks owner Mark Lazary stated his goal for this team was to win at least 70 games and a championship. Right now, not, not that high of a goal, really. <laughs> right now, they're on pace to win. After this loss, their pace has been knocked down to 69.9. That's nice. where they are right now. They face the surging Pacers, fifth seed right now in the Eastern Conference. They've won four in a row. Brian, how do you think the Bucks will respond to what producer Danny is calling a blowout? Well, they loss? have the largest margin of victory in NBA history. So a 16-point loss would be a blowout. See, there you go. Okay. Um, actually, I think this is a test for the Pacers. Pacers have won four in a row mm-hmm. to move past the Sixers back to fifth. It's a good test game for where they are. One thing that happened with the Bucks in you know in Miami, Miami threw a 3-2 zone at them. Yes. Not a 2-3 zone. A 3-2 zone, which I don't think I've seen before this season in the NBA in 17 years covering the league. So let's see if the Pacers try to install a 3-2 zone tonight to see how they would potentially face uh, how it works against the Bucks, And also the Bucks come west, you know they're going to want to get that victory before they begin their West Coast trip. Not only was it a blowout, they held Giannis to a 13? super off night. And we just talked about how he was snubbed for Player of the Month. I'm expecting a massive night from the Greek Freak to make this point exactly as you're saying. Getting back on the road, reestablishing a little dominance in that division and in that conference. Yeah. Bucks, massive blowout, like 25-plus points. It is, by the way, a test for the Pacers because Giannis is going to be angry when he gets to that game, right? Exactly. I mean, the player of the month thing I don't think really matters I'm to him kidding, that much. But, but the way yeah. the way that he wasn't able to do what he usually wants to do. And by the way, this is potentially, I don't want to skip ahead of anyone in the East, but it is potentially a second-round playoff matchup. If the standing stage as they are, if the dominant seed in each of the first-round matchups wins their matchup, that's not disrespectful to anyone. That's just if chalk goes as chalk, this could be a second-round matchup. I was actually surprised Eric Spolster pulled out that defensive ploy, knowing Good that he point. could see them. I think they wanted to see how it worked. And it did. It worked well. to that extent. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting game, Bucks Pacers. All right, we are fresh out of time for today. Jump back over on ESPN tomorrow, 3 o'clock Eastern. Thank you to Clinton. Thank you to Brian. Thank you to all of you. See you then.